Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, listeners. This episode is sponsored by Spoken, uh, which is basically a bit like having an English teacher in your pocket because you can get English practice exercises and lessons through messaging apps on your phone. Basically, what happens is your English teacher at Spoken will send you different tasks, which you do using the keyboard on your phone or using the microphone, sending voice messages, and the tasks adapt to your level and your needs and things like that. You can use this service to work on your English, uh, and they can also help you with things like um, exam preparation and uh, business English and so on. It's really cool. Uh, remember that because you're a listener, the offer that they are giving to you is that you can get a free one-hour uh, session on Spoken that is like a sort of introductory session for an hour, um, and that includes a free assessment of your English skills, okay? And you can take that and then see if you like the service, and if you want, you can then buy one of their courses, and you get 20% off the first month for any of their courses. And if you, after the first hour, if you, you know, if you don't fancy it, then you, you just go go away and carry on living your life. No strings attached. That's pretty cool, isn't it? So to check out that one hour session and to get the 20% off the first month of any course, go to getspoken.com slash LEP or just click a Spoken logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, listeners. How are you today? You're fine? Pretty good? Not too bad? Yeah, can't complain, right? Can't complain. Mustn't grumble. Could be worse. You're doing all right? You're doing all right. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Here's a new episode, and it's a conversation with Zdenek Lukas, who is an English teacher from the Czech Republic. You might have heard me mention Zdenek on this podcast before, and in fact, you might already be familiar with his voice because he has a podcast of his own. You might be one of his listeners, in fact. Zdenek's podcast is called Zdenek's English Podcast. Yes, that does sound familiar, doesn't it? It's like the name of my podcast. Um, as Zdenek has said himself many times, he was inspired to start his podcast mainly after becoming a fan of my podcast, and I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that. He did actually ask me uh, before choosing that name, and I said, yep, go ahead. That's fine. This was years ago now, I think around 2013, when he first set up his podcast and got in touch with me about it. These days, Zdenek's English podcast exists in its own right. He's uploaded about 250 episodes, which feature monologues from him about his life and his journey with English, and also conversations with his friends, native English speakers he meets in his hometown or on trips to London, and also in gaming communities online. And he even records episodes with his students of English from time to time. I thought it was about time I talked to Zdenek on this podcast and I wanted to ask him about these things. I wanted to ask him how he learned English to such a high level, his story of moving to the UK where he ended up working with Cockneys in the East End of London, how he became a teacher of English, his thoughts on the question of non-native speakers as teachers of English, his podcast his love of board games and how they can be used for learning English, and also the board game that he has created himself and the online board game communities that he is part of. So my plan was to interview him about all of those things, but naturally we ended up going off on various tangents, especially at the beginning of this first part. Uh, there are two parts to this uh, episode. Uh, certainly in the first part at the beginning, as you will hear, we go off on tangents and then we got into uh, all the questions I wanted to ask Zdenek, and I found out about his whole story, which you will hear. Um, 
both in part one and part two of this episode. Here's a quick rundown of what's coming up in part one, just to make sure that you can keep up, especially since the conversation goes off in a few different directions at the beginning. So we mention what happened at some Lepster meetups in London that Zdenek organised last year and the year before. I attended the first meetup, but not the second one, and he recorded episodes of his podcast on both occasions. We, we talk about what it takes to be a genuine Lepster and whether some people might stop listening after a few episodes. We talk about where Zdenek's hometown is and the general location of the Czech Republic for those people who aren't really familiar with it. Then there are a few tangents. We end up talking about global warming and people who deny climate change. Uh, we talk about the time that I talked to some flat earth conspiracy theorists on the Flat Earth podcast. We talk a little bit about Louis Theroux, who is a UK documentary filmmaker that I really like. Then Zdenek tells us about his academic background in linguistics and English teaching, including details of the university dissertation he wrote about the language of English football commentators. And then we get into Zdenek's whole story of learning English, including what happened when he travelled to England in his early 20s with no plan, just the will to get away and have an interesting experience in another country. The result was that it really pushed his level of English and it led him on his current career and life path. So I'll let you discover all the details now as you listen to our whole conversation, which is presented to you here in two parts. And this is part one, of course. So without any further ado, here we go. It's nice to talk to you, Stenek. It's been a while. When was the last time we, we spoke, actually? Actually, I wrote it down here. It must have been uh, in one of my episodes of the next English podcast. I think it was when I went to England. Yeah. Uh, it must have been in twenty seventeen, summer 2017. Right. Yeah. That was when we stood outside a pub and talked about crime. Exactly. That's when we invited everyone for a Lepster meetup and yeah. then... We just stood outside and let let the lepsters stay inside. Yeah, there without was, telling them anything. I don't quite know what happened, but there was a group of there, there was a group of lepsters having apparently a great time inside the pub while we were standing outside in the street, uh, exactly. outside uh, recording a podcast for you all about uh, yeah crime and sort of what was it like a crime vocab quiz or something? Yeah. I was in. Yeah, I, was, I had some questions prepared and. It was something like that, like I asked you some questions and I uh, basically prepared idioms as responses to you, to your answers. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> and and because we were basically kind of making up these situations in order to kind of get the idioms in, a lot of the, a lot of the time I ended up sort of being a fairly hardcore criminal, I think. <laughs> yeah. And I kept, I kept having to say, by the way, everyone, it's not true. It's just, we're just, just doing uh -huh. it for the language. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm sure no uh, one. I'm sure no one listened to it and was like, "Wait a minute, what? Luke's, a, <laughs> Luke's an ex-convict. I never knew." <laughs> I don't think this is what the listeners thought. I, I think it, it came across quite well. What was going on there? Yeah, I think everyone got it. Yeah, but in the Lepster meetup year after, which was this summer 2018, mm. we actually talked about this whole incident of. Um, sort of ignoring accidentally ignoring the the lepsters yeah at the meetup yeah okay all right so and some of the people who who were there previously came back this exactly year. i think it was at least two possibly three three of them yeah all right mm -hmm. okay oh well good it was uh, i listened to that episode that you you published because you recorded um some sort of um some bits of conversation that you had with uh, some of the people there. that was quite interesting because you got mm -hmm. like a mix of you got some people at this luke's english podcast meetup who had no idea what luke's english podcast was and exactly. so you kind of like yeah. hang around saying so how long have you listened to luke's english podcast and they're like what <laughs> what, uh, yeah. you, what you well, who's luke what are you talking about yeah but i think some of them were kind of showing off because you know uh-huh the some of them were british so this is their sense of humor just you know yeah <laughs> making well, fun of everything yeah well i'm sure that you know <laughs> i'm sure it happens all the time because i've got let's say probably my audience who listen long term are probably really into the podcast i hope and then there are loads of obviously there are so many more 
like massively more people who've never heard of it than mm-hmm. than there are people who listen to it. So it's probably it happens quite a lot that people are fans of the podcast and they say to someone a learner of English that they've met. And maybe you learn yeah. of English who says, oh, you know, I like to listen to podcasts. And they're like, oh, so you listen to Luke's English podcast. And you're like, sorry, what? Uh, yeah. Who's, yeah. who's what? And sometimes it's like you don't want to go into explaining everything, especially if you have been a listener for four or five years. You're like, mm-hmm, how do I explain this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell how me. How do I explain all these hours spending listening to Luke? <laughs> It's it's virtually impossible. They will never get the feel, right? They need to try by themselves. And then they try, but it will never be the same either. Because in order to basically start listening and uh, uh, become a true lapster, you have to listen to a few episodes to sort of yeah. get into it, you know? It's think, like yeah. with, when you start doing – when you start going to the gym, it's the same. Yeah, I think there's probably a certain number of episodes that it's weird. Like, I think people who start listening from the beginning, and I've got quite a lot of those these mm-hmm. days, who, people who start from the from episode one, because the podcast is on Spotify. It's been on Spotify for probably about a year now, because like they, uh, I guess a year ago, Spotify sort of opened its doors to podcasts and said, okay, we can have podcasts on Spotify now. And so my podcast host let everyone know and said, hey, if you want your podcast to be on Spotify, just, uh, you know, do X, Y, and Z, and Bob's your uncle. And so I did. And then my podcast went on Spotify. So a lot of people are discovering it through that. And they're listening from episode one, and I'm getting emails from them. Because in the first 10, 15, 20, 30 episodes, I said, you know, you know, let me know what you think. Send me your emails. I'd like to know. And also, okay. I, was ask, I was asking them questions after each episode. Like, so what do you think about uh, music in your country? Mm-hmm. And that's nine years ago. And then they're, and they're replying to me. And, uh, and so I can a lot, quite a lot. And, uh, and but the so thing I'm, is, like, if you ask them these questions, I don't think your answer will change much. Yeah. But when it comes to, let's say, political things, like you have got a lot of episodes about Brexit mm. or there was this episode about terrorism in France. Yeah. Um, you know. Yes, exactly. Uh, well, they're, they're more timely things. But yeah, I mean, it's great. People are sort of uh, responding to the questions which were quite sort of non-time specific. But the thing is that... Uh, like I get quite a lot of responses for the first 20, 30 episodes. And then there's a lot of, you know, everyone sort of goes quiet. So I think yeah. there's probably a sort of threshold, right? Absolutely. There is Luke. It's, it must be exactly the same as if you start doing any activity when you take up going to the gym, it's exactly the same. There's some sort of threshold and you need to get past that. Hmm. And if you manage that, well, Bob's your ankle, as you say. And then <laughs> you're in, you're a, you're a lepster. You're in, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I, I just wonder, like, how many, how wide, the, uh, how large this threshold is. Like, how big is the gate into well, my podcast kingdom? I, I've got a feeling it's kind of a narrow doorway and that uh, there's like maybe a crowd of people who's sort of gathering outside and only certain number of people get through and then they're in, they're into this, magical weird <laughs> weird place uh, where they learn english and i don't know what else have fun i hope well one of your listeners could do a research into this i suppose come up with some data and possibly yeah. we, we would find out it might be actually an interesting discovery i think it would be very interesting i'm not sure what i would do with the information afterwards <laughs> i'd be like well clearly we need to make some architectural changes to the to the gates uh, to the luke's english podcast kingdom and it's like, do, do we have any architects or engineers? Like, no, it's just you, yeah. Luke. You're the only one who can do any of this stuff. It's like, oh, all right, well, let's just carry on then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, I recommend the podcast to a lot of my students and friends, but it's like they listen to a few episodes and some of them keep listening, but a lot of them don't. And a yeah. little bit like it's mind-boggling for me you know mm. I, don't, I don't get it why because it's so great and i've been listening <laughs> for so long why is it that they can't do it but i guess it's like with any other activity you know it's yeah. it's difficult to form a habit yeah it is and to be fair like going back to the early days of my episodes probably the first i don't know how many maybe the first 30 or 40 episodes were quite disciplined in the sense that i had for example a uh, a, 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 a kind of chatty bit or a you know mm. a, like a I guess a sort of an entertaining bit and then there would be the language section 
And yeah. this language section was all about dealing with language and actually teaching in a sort of fairly structured way. And then I kind of moved away from that after a certain number of episodes. Mm-hmm. I started to sort of experiment and explore just sort of chatting freely, uh, okay. talking to guests. And my episodes got longer as yeah. well. And so you pro- think it could it could have uh, it could have like pushed some uh, put some people off or something like maybe. that? Yeah, maybe when I started talking about like bears having fights with <laughs> sharks some Come people on. some this people were like no i think i'm gonna stop listening at this point this is the best about lab all these episodes about bears sharks and gorillas and you name it <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you know i guess i guess so yeah for the people who for the people who keep listening yeah i mean that's that is great i mean it's uh it's i suppose it's like the same for me when i listen to podcasts there are some things that i love really strongly mm-hmm. um but i realize that that's quite a niche thing that the things that i really love are not necessarily the things that absolutely everybody loves you know like when you yeah. start to appeal to a very broad audience you, you you at the same time you start to lose some uniqueness or you lose some edge mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you've got like BBC uh, Six Minute English, for example, which has a very broad audience indeed, I think. Yeah. I expect they've got a massive audience because they've ticked all the right kind of boxes in order to get a big audience. Like the episodes are just six minutes long. Mm. There, there's a script, there's a transcript, there's a language point in every episode. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, how does it feel when you listen to it? Well, I'm not their listener, but I know what what you're talking about i know the podcast i'm aware of it i mean i, but, I they do yeah. very 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 good work and i recognize that and I, i think that it would probably be a good idea for me to do something along those lines too but at the same time when i listen to it i just feel like i'm missing but, the human element here i'm missing there's something about the relatability yeah. it's all scripted and it's like mm-hmm. hi well, you're listening to bbc <laughs> six minute english my name's josh hi josh i'm steve yeah. i know you are steve you know we've sat in this room for the last six hours you know like they're not actually no. saying that but it's kind of mm-hmm. like this fake scripted conversation yeah. and but at absolutely the, but so you know but, the, yeah. at the same time this is maybe what some people really want yeah. and look for and need you know think, something simple yeah i think if quick, you, not too long if time is an is an issue and you know if people are like i've got to learn english and i've got to learn it as quickly as possible And I just need something that's not going to take up too much time. Something with a script. Something where it's like boom, boom, boom. Just give me the language. Like I don't give a shit about the people actually making yeah. the pod- podcast. Then this might be the thing for you. And then, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there are some people out there who love listening to their to those conversations, yeah, and I mean, and it's fine. It's just fair cool. enough. But yeah. But for me, for me, it's if I compared your podcast to this podcast, like apples and oranges. Yeah. Okay, it's like it's absolute something completely different, really. Yeah. Which is cool because it just shows that there's room for all sorts of variety and lots of yeah. different types of thing, which is, mm-hmm. you know, it's great. I just love podcasting. It's it's just mm-hmm. the best. I, I really, really love it. Yeah. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing you in this episode. So <laughs> um, how are you today? How's it going? Um, I am okay. Yeah. I'm great. Thanks. What have you been up to today? Um, I've been to school. Not as a student, but as a teacher. Ah, yes. Um, <laughs> I have gone for a walk yeah. and uh, came back. And now I'm recording a podcast with you. <laughs> you actually went, you just went for a walk. Just like, yeah. I think I'll go for a walk. Yeah, I, I did that right right before the um, recording, actually. Uh-huh. What, breath of fresh air? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Well, at least you have fresh air where you live. That's good. All right, so... Well, well, Zdenek, lots of things for me to talk to you about, like the fact you're an English teacher, you do your podcast, you also have designed a game as well, a board game. Is it, It's an online board game. We're going to come back to it, right? We'll, yeah. we'll talk about it um, in time. But uh, let's start with this. Where do you actually live? I live in the Czech Republic. Um, it's about 50 kilometers away from Prague, the capital. That, that's um, the, your town, right? Where you live. Yeah, yeah that's, it's, a, it's a small town. Um, I am not exactly sure how many inhabitants we have, but it could be somewhere in the region of 10,000, 20,000 inhabitants. Uh-huh. So not a big town, but I actually live in a village part of that town. So to get to the city center, I have to uh, ride my bike. So I, that's what I do every day. I ride my bike to work, to school. 
Yeah. And yeah. I've seen photos, uh, I think probably for the Luke's English podcast photo competition a few years ago, I think you sent mm-hmm. a picture of, of like your point of view while listening to the podcast. And it was basically like a, a frozen forest with the, yeah. uh, with like the, the front wheel of a mountain bike. I just imagine you sort of cycling yeah. through this sort of uh, frozen land Mm-hmm. And there just seemed to be no one around. It's well, like so different to my journey to work. Well, Luke, obviously, I sent that photo so that I, so with with um, with uh, hope in mind that I would win that competition. <laughs> obviously, it doesn't really happen that often. And considering there's global warming now, it almost never happens anymore. So what, snow, <laughs> snow on the ground. Snow on the, well, there, for example, today there was a bit of snow, but it melted away. Um, quickly so mm-hmm. okay. yeah it's not the same honestly these winters uh, uh, lately we have ha- we haven't had any harsh winters and, and they say they say everywhere winter is coming but i can't really see it so yeah. i wonder what's going on well i think we know what's going on don't we <laughs> do I mean, we yeah of course it's global warming i mean it's it's scientific fact oh yeah that obviously yeah i thought it was fake news all oh, right of course <laughs> well i don't think we can I mean, who are you going to believe? Like, you're going to believe the, the people who just who just call it all fake news for whatever reason, yeah. or the the many many very reliable scientists who all agree that. But uh, we are talking about the American president, Luke. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, yeah. So what? <laughs> <laughs> we actually had a president here too that was uh, so adamant um, as to saying that there is no global warming. He even even wrote a book. I I think it was called either Blue Planet or something like that. Yeah. And like he went to conferences and everywhere he was spreading this this um strange weird point of view that there's no global warming even though the scientists have proven it. Yeah. Um, long before. Why did <laughs> they yet, why did these I guys say these things? I don't know. I, I guess they just want to be interesting or something like that. Yeah, you think but so? Do you think they truly believe it? I think yeah, I think some of them do. I think actually some of them probably do. And they 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 may be not really interested in going the extra mile in order to mm-hmm. really find out what's going on. They've probably just decided that no, I you know, they've just probably personally thought, well, I personally don't believe it and I don't really want to believe it for some reason, and therefore mm-hmm. I'm now going to construct some argument based on certain, you know, jumped up evidence. Uh, that it's not true and the you know the, what are the arguments they usually give what do they say i don't, I don't know but it reminds me of those flat earthers you <laughs> had on your you had on your podcast well i didn't have the flat earthers on my podcast i, I should right, point you went that out to their podcast. i, I was on this. their podcast i did mm-hmm. talk about it uh yeah. i did talk about it on the podcast not in i i made a website episode and an, an yeah, app yeah, yeah. episode where i talked about my experience of talking to flat earth conspiracy theorists mm. um and i was on their podcast for like two hours or something yeah uh did you listen to that did you listen i to did yeah, yeah i remember that quite clearly it was it was an interesting experience it was yeah. <laughs> i i liked how you were trying to be so like nice and respectful <laughs> yet yet it was obvious to me with every single word you said that that's that's not how you feel about the whole issue <laughs> well i mean you know i thought to myself if i was going to go on their podcast um Oh, it's it's a complicated one, isn't it? But um, uh, so I'd I'd mentioned it on on an episode of my podcast. I'd talked about it because uh, I was talking about uh, my trip to the states and uh, how we we went to the Griffith Observatory, which is this amazing place f- uh, of uh, you know uh, all about uh, the Earth and the, the mm-hmm. Moon and the planets, and uh, you know, and it was fascinating to me. And I also then talked about how flat Earth. The, you know the idea that the earth is flat is this thing thing that a lot of people are talking about at the moment particularly in america in the united states mm-hmm. and a bit in the uk and maybe other places but largely in the states there's this um fairly popular idea these days that uh, the earth is in fact flat mm-hmm. and so i kind of wanted to talk about it and then somehow these guys from the flat earth podcast picked up on it i don't know how and they wrote to me and said hey you know we really want to invite you onto the podcast uh to talk about this and they said you know we're not like these uh uh crazy aggressive uh conspiracy theorists who are gonna shout you down and stuff you know we're reasonable people and in fact really we just we're just on the search for truth 
You know, we don't, that's it. It was like, we don't believe the earth is flat. We just, mm-hmm. we, you know, we just don't believe it's round or uh, we're, you know, we're not trying to make you believe the earth is flat. We're just trying to find the search for truth. And I, and I wish I'd said this, but I didn't. I wish I'd said to them, uh, you know, so you're all about just trying to find the truth. Yeah, that's, that's mm-hmm. your objective. So why is your podcast called the Flat Earth Podcast? I wish I'd said that. That would have been brilliant. I see. Um, I see. It's it's like one of those things where after you've had like an argument with someone, you think of all the things you should have said. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've tried to. I decided that I would go into the conversation with them on their podcast by being sort of reasonable and nice because I, I mm-hmm. you know, I, I just thought. Yeah. Well, I don't necessarily have all the science. You see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I'm not um, a, an astrophysicist or something, so I don't have all of the the science, which kind of, yeah, but, in a way, puts you in a slightly difficult position because. Besides, you can imagine that these guys they have been really looking into it for a long time. Yeah, and they've got so, all they've got all kinds of so-called evidence. Yeah, um, and and so yeah, it's very tricky. That the, the I guess the point the thing is that make what makes it difficult to talk to people who have ideas like that is that essentially they are making a big claim they're making mm-hmm. the, they're making a bold claim and if you make a bold claim you need to back it up with bold evidence and it's yeah. not my job uh <laughs> to 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 disprove everything you're saying it's your mm-hmm. job to prove that it's not bullshit you know and um uh it, so that that means the ball is in their court in a sense mm-hmm. it's just very hard to argue against them when you know you have to fact check absolutely every single thing they say and mm-hmm. also sort also of also su- suppress laughter when you're doing that yeah yeah but yeah kudos to you for being so respectful to them and like i i, I see what you were doing there it makes sense if you're invited onto someone's podcast you have to i was i was be, trying to take like that, yeah. yeah i was trying to take the louis theroux approach um, I don't know if you know who he is. I need to do a podcast episode about this guy. He's a British documentary filmmaker and he kind of um, makes documentaries about sort of slightly odd beliefs or uh, like cults or uh, he goes and visits people who've got, you know, quite strange mm-hmm. beliefs. Like he, you could imagine he would do an episode all about flat earth conspiracy theorists. Yeah. Uh, and what he does is he goes and visits people, but he's very unassuming. He's very nice uh, uh, he's he he's he's not aggressive. He's, he doesn't challenge them. He kind of what he manages to do is sort of make friends with the people he's talking to, and at the same time, sort of allow them to 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 just talk and talk, and it exposes them in mm-hmm. a sense that you know he's. Not, um, I don't know how cynical his position is. I think to an extent his aim is to genuinely make a human connection with these people who have different beliefs mm-hmm. to him and it's interesting yeah. to see the interaction between louis who is you know a reasonable person uh from our point of view and then uh the you know the the sort of slightly odd people he's talking to it's just really fascinating to see the dynamic that goes on and and oh. the way that when these people let their guards down that's the thing when they let their guards mm-hmm. down it kind of they perhaps show themselves for who they really are yeah. i don't know if and I'm then, gonna, yeah and then it's up to the viewers to to make their own judgments i guess yeah and yeah yeah that's the idea um mm-hmm. uh but anyway we're talking about uh i'm supposed to be interviewing you <laughs> <laughs> it's all right um so you you live in your town's called podibradi right in yeah yeah, yeah that's that's right podibradi yeah yeah um i probably pronounced it wrong um, and just for my listeners who might not be so familiar with all the geography, just, you know, tell us, describe the location of the Czech Republic, if you would. I mean, I'm just talking on behalf of people who are not, you know, familiar with all the borders and all wherever. They OK, are. so so the Czech Republic is sort of in the middle of Europe mm. and uh, we share borders with Germany, Poland, Austria and Slovakia. Right. OK. And uh, we have got about 10 million inhabitants. Mm-hmm. Um, we are in the European Union, although we are one of the more Eurosceptic uh, members, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. And um, yeah. Okay. Um, the climate is sort of mild, um, but it's not the same as in in the UK because you um, you have got like o- oceanic weather, weather if yeah. that makes any sense. And we yeah. are a landlocked country, so uh, you can imagine it's kind of drier here and when it rains um well it doesn't really rain 
that much these days, to be honest. <laughs> mm. There was terrible drought in summer here. Really? Um, I guess it was the same everywhere. Yeah. Um, but normally when it rains, it, it, it rains longer. Like it could be even a few days of rain. Mm. Whereas I don't, I don't remember this happening in England that much. Like it's more like showers, you know, like short showers. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. It's just changeable weather in, in the yeah. UK where it, it basically it can rain at any time and it probably will, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. All right. I see. Now, um, so you work as an English teacher there. I do. Yeah. How long have you been so we, doing that? Um, well, that's that's an interesting question. I graduated from the university in 2011, uh-huh. but I had taught before, yeah. before that, um, you know. But it was sort of, I guess, I, I guess it was just I was just dabbling in teaching. Mm-hmm. Like I was working for a language school without actually knowing what to do that much. Yeah, um, that that kind of thing. But it was just. A part-time job really you know it wasn't that intense of course i started working after after i graduated okay you graduated from university in 2011 yeah right? what did you do at university um i studied english teaching uh-huh you did a master's uh, didn't you uh, yeah 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 got a master's degree in that and normally when you study english teaching um in the czech republic you would study it alongside another subject mm-hmm uh, such as, let's say, you would have a combination of geography and English or, or physical education and English. Yeah. But my field of study was just solely English. So it was, yeah. So English, I, English language. Yeah, uh, it was English teaching. English teaching. It, it was English teaching. So there were three modules. It had three modules. Uh, one of them was didactics. So it's just like all the pedagogy and methodology and how to teach mm-hmm. and, and psychology and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And there was literature and culture studies. Yeah. And then the last one was my favorite one. That would be linguistics. Right. So it involved um, morphology, phonology, phonetics, uh, lexicology, syntax, all this kind of thing. I see. That's where you're really sort of just picking apart language. Yeah, and you focused uh, on well, obviously it was English because you were studying to to teach English. Mm-hmm. Um, did you do a like a dissertation at the end of your masters? <laughs> I did. Yeah, tell me and what being, it was. Tell you, I think I know what well, it was about, but what was it? Do you? Yeah. I <laughs> well, think being so. me, I, I tend to tend to like to kill more birds with one stone. Um, so I went for my interest pretty much, which has always been football. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> I did a dissertation which was called um, "Formal Features of English of Wait a Minute of English Football Commentaries" or something like that. That's brilliant. <laughs> so, so what I did was that I actually uh, I watched short videos uh, from the Premier League, mm-hmm. and um, and then I transcribed what the commentators were saying there. Mm-hmm. Um, not it wasn't always easy, yeah. but uh, in the end, I I got got there, and then um, obviously we had to do a research, and um, there was like a th- theoretical part uh, where you had to like put a few books together and just write like in more ge- general way what uh, about linguistics, but then um, you smoothly moved into. You gradually moved into like the the practical part when I was actually like looking at individual uh, items of language such as idioms or, or yeah, it was a bit syntax as well like mm-hmm. um, how, how the element how the sentence elements uh, relate to each other and so on. Okay, and this was yeah. all based on so your source language here was the the, the football commentary yes. of, of English uh, like the English Premier League. So uh, you were listening to like BBC commentators, ITV, Sky TV uh, presenters, something like that. Yeah. Do you, I, um, you, I wonder who you were listening to. Probably someone like John Motson. But um, uh, do you know? The thing is, like, I, I, I had to find something somewhere which I could then, like, I could then put into my bibli- bibliography, you know, like yeah. as a reference. Yeah. So I suppose I found something. Online, I, I, don't, I don't remember anymore, but it was like three or four uh, short ex- excerpts from football matches. And I think 
all of them were like famous matches, like, or at least they were like top teams from England. Nothing. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was probably clips from BBC Match of the Day, stuff like that. Yeah, something like that. Exactly. That's that's actually to me that's brilliant. <laughs> that's brilliant because um, you know I think it's fascinating the way that BBC sports reporters talk. I mean, what mm-hmm. did you, what, you know, did you learn, I mean, obviously you learned a ton from doing uh, it, but like, is there something that you, that stuck with you um, uh, about, about what the, the dissertation you did about football commentary? Uh, I suppose, I suppose uh, the thing that everybody knows is that they use a lot of cliches. Yeah. Um, so they would say things like it was a game of two halves or, or what else? Yeah. It's, um, a, it's not over till the final whistle. Yeah, it's not over till and the fat lady sings. Exactly, and they use um, all these adjectives. Um, I don't know what you would call them, but uh, let's let's call them strong adjectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a fantastic goal, superb challenge, or so a lot of like expressive language, if we may call it that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, a lot, a lot of idioms, and it's like jargon, pretty much, right? Yeah. Um, I also have noticed the 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 grammar is a little different in some uh-huh. cases as well. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's 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 the game is very very like fast. Uh, you have to accommodate. You have to adjust to mm. to it with your commentary. So I suppose there would be a lot of like auxiliary verb omissions and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And also this one thing I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but which is like. And it's particularly actually it's it's actually more common in football players in their post match interviews where mm-hmm. they will be describing things that happened in the game, the game which is finished, yep. and yet they're using present perfect tense to describe it. I see. Right? So they'd be saying so you know so you scored a magnificent magnificent goal there uh, you know Stephen just talk us through that. And then he's like, "Yeah, so the balls, the balls come to me, and I've, I've, you know, I've, I, I've, I've, I've yeah. taken it down on my chest, and I've, mm-hmm. I've pushed it to one side, and I've seen the defender coming towards me, and I've, I've just, you know, I've, I've put it through his legs, and then I've beaten the goalkeeper, and then I've, I've hit the ball first time, and and there it is in the back of the net, yeah, you know. Whereas normally, if you're talking about like past events like that, you would say things like, "So I got the ball, I beat, mm-hmm. the, I beat the defender, I hit yeah. the ball first time, and you know." <laughs> and scored I think, I think the reason this is because it, it sort of pulls you into it like when you're listening as a as a, a, a when watching it as a viewer mm-hmm. uh, so it's it gives you some sort of sense of immediacy and, yeah and for, for for the same reason the commentators would say he scores um right rather than he scored or he has scored right yeah. and you know uh uh, all my football player references are like 10 years old, by the way. So if I mm-hmm. say, and Gerard passes the ball to Scholes <laughs> and he hits it first time and it's a fantastic, and he scored, Gerard scores yeah. for the 14th time this season. Yeah, even though it's, ha- you know, it's either happening right now or has just happened, but he's using present simple mm-hmm. tense. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's really interesting. Yeah. That's cool. That's really a really cool thing to write about for a master's degree. I have to mm-hmm. say. Um, well, yeah. it's, it can be a, a pain in the neck writing a master's degree. It's, it's a lot of pages like mine. Mine was um, with all the appendices. Mm-hmm. It must have been like 90 on one, or 100 pages or something like that. So uh, wow. it, it can be a bit, you know, mundane and uh, frustrating. And, and yeah, I was quite disciplined, all things considered. Some mm-hmm. Some students left it till the last moment. So I was like, doing all right in terms of timing but you know yeah it can be an issue for some obviously well so because i was enjoying writing about football i guess that's what helped yeah that's the thing isn't it that's like the uh i guess that's the key thing you've just got to find that thing that allows you to keep going yeah um all right so um so okay so you even before you did your master's degree in English language teaching and stuff like y- mm-hmm. your English must have been good in order to do a master's in English so how how did you tell us about how you got your English up to that level then okay well to be honest um I didn't study English that much at the elementary school and secondary school like I went to a school we call it here gymnasium which would be um something like grammar school in England but basically we we have a lot of subjects quite in depth but 
uh, when you graduate, you know nothing. You have to go to university, this, this kind of school. So I had my final leaving examination in English. What age? But, uh, I was, well, I graduated at the age of 11. Um, what am I saying? 19. Uh-huh. <laughs> 11, and, 19, same, same thing. <laughs> uh, yes. And so I, my, okay, so I, I was not that bad at grammar and I, I suppose I was about B1 or something like that. Mm-hmm. But these days the students are much better. That's because... Luke, um, after the fall of communism in the Czech Republic here, mm-hmm. um, basically, uh, well, instead of Russian, um, everybody start, everybody wanted to learn English suddenly. So English became the first uh, language taught, first foreign language taught at at uh, schools. But the teachers weren't that good because yeah. they they hadn't had any prior education, so it, it was understandable. Um, so you can imagine, and also like there were. Uh, they, they they were still using the grammar translation method and like mm. outdated methods, mm. so it took some time to get um, to 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 where we are now. But so, unfortunately, I was at that age where I was studying at that time where uh, the teachers were not that good. Ah, uh, right. That's yeah. what I'm trying to. So sorry, we're talking about just after uh, the fall of communism, right? Just after that. Is that uh, is that right? I mean, uh, so yeah. Well, just w- one question: when when was your actual first contact with English? At what age did you have? Do you, um, you have you had your first contact? It might have been when I was about eleven or twelve or something like that. But it was yeah, it was just classes at an elementary school. But to be honest, it wasn't really much. Like it was two lessons a week, and mm-hmm. basically we were just talking about English in Czech, which is my native language. So you can imagine, like, right. it was just wrong methods and everything was just... Uh, Sounds familiar. Not, not right. Sounds very yeah. familiar to me because, you know, I, I had French lessons at school and it was, it was quite similar. I think our teachers were trying to, mm-hmm. to use other methods, but often, yeah, we would end up... There, there'd be a bit of English going on in there and you'd never got the sense that you were learning that much. Maybe, maybe we were terrible students as well. There was a lot of mis- lot of misbehaving in the classroom and stuff, but but uh, well, it does sound familiar. Yeah. Also, like you have that, like there is a difference in that the the younger generations these days they have got so much they can do right with English yeah. because of the internet. Like we didn't have internet when I was uh, at an elementary school or when I was at a secondary school. It started, mm. but you know it wasn't that widespread yet, so it took some time. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. First contact uh, was like eleven or twelve years old. Yeah. Like the, those you know, fairly basic it, lessons at school. But mm-hmm. then, but you got to you said a bit like kind of B one level. Um, well, that would be like when I was about nineteen, twenty. And how did you get up but, to that level then? But the thing is, like, I don't, I don't think I would, I was able to speak or even like understand when people were speaking. So I think my skills were bad. I think I just I was just good at like grammar and I had I knew some vocabulary. Mm. But uh, well, basically, then I went to a language school, which, um, well, I guess I, I got even better at grammar and uh, vocabulary. And after that, I went to University of Economics, but uh, I soon discovered that I wasn't really cut out for it. Yeah, it was it wasn't my cup of tea, so I just basically escaped to England. Right? When? What age? Um, I was twenty one. I was twenty one. And you you escaped to England? So, yeah, <laughs> sounds like a strong word, but well, maybe. Um, basically, I, I went with uh, a friend at the time, yeah. and we just like I wasn't enjoying studying about economics. It's just not something I'm good at. Yeah, yeah. And the only thing I enjoyed there was like physical education and in English. Yeah. So these were the only subjects, but these obviously they were not the the key the key things we sh- we should know at the time. Mm. Okay. Yes. And so you we were like, ah, oh, screw this. Yeah. Exactly. Let's go to England then. <laughs> and was it you know did you have an idea of what what you were gonna do or uh, what it was going to be like i mean were you like not, we'll go to england and it will be just like this i mean what was your vision of it not at all i just i just knew i would go for 10 months 
Like this was this was my plan. I would go just for ten months and see what happens. And there was no vision whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I had absolutely no idea what I'm getting myself into. <laughs> okay. And so, how did you actually get there? Um, by bus, I think. <laughs> really, you took a bus. To, to, I'm not to sure anymore. I think it was a bus, yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that must have been a long journey. It's 18 hours yeah. to London. It's 18 hours to London. Yeah, I went straight to London and, and I stayed there. Okay, whereabouts in London? Did, where, where, um, did you, where did you end up? I ended up in Finsbury Park. Like in the park itself, like sleeping on the bench or something? <laughs> or in the yeah. football stadium, like Arsenal, <laughs> here we are at Finsbury Park well, for the actually, first time. <laughs> actually, the, the place I lived in was not far away from the old Highbury Stadium, Yeah, if that, if that rings a bell. So it was like one kilometer away from that. Right. And it was close to the Finsbury Park you mentioned as well. Yeah. But I did not sleep in the park, fortunately. <laughs> Good. Did not have to. But I went to I went to play football there sometimes. Yeah. You're an Arsenal. Unfortunately, yeah. the, uh, the Arsenal, the, uh, Arsenal uh, football team, uh, Arsene Wenger did not really appreciate my football skills. So, unfortunately, <laughs> I, I, I didn't become a, a football player. You're an Arsenal fan. Yes, yes. Uh, w- I suppose that, that's how I became an Arsenal fan. Oh, you, you became an Arsenal fan when you, when you went to, to Finsbury Park. Uh, to be honest, it, um, I sort of became more an Arsenal fan after I came back yeah. home to yeah. the Czech Republic. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah. Okay. It's the connection. You got the connection. Yeah, that it. was a connection, obviously. And there was also uh, a good Czech football player. So I guess that was part of the reason as well. There was Tomáš Rosicky. Uh-huh. And um, I, like, I liked um, the way he played. Right. Uh, so on and he became an arsenal legend actually so yeah i suppose this was part of the the thing okay so you so you turned you 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 took your bus to london you you found yourself in the finsbury park area which is sort of like north northeast london Mm -hmm. um not far from the arsenal football ground and um so and what did you do i mean did did you yeah what did you do Did did you work uh, yeah, well, first I had to find a job because obviously I, I had nothing in mind. As I said, it was sort of uh, blind. Um, what's the word blind I'm looking faith. for? Faith, blind faith. Yeah, something something like that. Something like that. So, so well, I if I remember clearly, there was uh, some sort of um, recruitment agency which I went in, and they then found some sort of a job for me. But first, first we would have a job for a day, so it was like labor labor basically uh, like we were laborers mm. just helping out with anything people needed we usually ca- carrying stuff from place a to place b and um yeah it was laboring basically but it was also my first job so it was kind of interesting actually like it, it might not sound uh, that exciting now like as i'm describing it but it was kind of interesting and doing this in a foreign language was like very challenging for me but also sort of exciting because i wanted to show everybody that I had what it takes, you know. Mm. So, and then I ended up, so after like doing these um, little jobs on and off, like in, and if they would just send us to a different place in London. And then um, after I like proved myself that I'm uh, reliable and they, they um, I'll, I'll do the job they asked me to do, then uh, they uh, would offer me to take some sort of a course. It was like course health, health and safety course, because as we know, health and safety is is big in england so safety yeah. first yeah and uh, so so i took that course i i did quite well with that so that, that's that's how, how they uh, sort of like de- deployed me if i'm using the right well, word you became like the health and safety officer no 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 no, no. no. They, they they deployed me into into um a more permanent job basically I so it, it was in romford if that yeah, if that rings a bell, it's, it's suburb um, of London, right? It's in eastern part of London, yeah. and not far, not far from West Ham. Right. So, actually, actually, Luke, and I'm very proud of this. I worked among <laughs> Cockneys, among true Cockneys, with with Cockney speakers. My boss was Cockney, yeah. and so I worked there for for about a year. Wow, yeah, uh, it's Romford. Yeah. All right, mate. All right, exactly. all right, Stenick. <laughs> No, yeah. th- that's that's actually that's actually funny because they well first time I came to work, uh, of course my Bob uh, my Bob what am I saying my my boss mm. asked me what my name was, and yeah. I told him my name is Deniek, and I, obviously he couldn't pronounce it, 
And he said, Denik, Denik, starting to say Denik. Yeah. And then he, he just decided to call me Dan because it was close enough, close enough for him. And ever since then, I was wearing a hard hat yeah. uh, with Dan, with label Dan on it. Oh, my God. So I, my, there are some old photos I could I could find still with, with that. It's yeah, that's fantastic. So I can imagine it's like all right. Mate, so what's your name then, mate? Uh, Zdenek. Uh, sorry, what? Zdenek. 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 Dan. 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 You're Dan. All right. All right. Yeah, then, Dan, like, there I'll you just go. call you Dan. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so well, that must have been an experience. How long were you doing that then? How long were you, were you working with these um, Cockneys? About one year, so it was basically an electrical company called T. Clark. Yeah. Might be quite famous in England, I think. And so I was a laborer. We were basically, it was interesting. We were like rolling cable drums. Okay. And carrying like all those trays, and they called it unit strut, basically some pieces of metal which which are used to hold large cables because it, it, was, a, it was a large hospital building, mm. like really, really huge. And um, so it needed a lot of wiring done. Fitting. And we were the ones, yeah, fitting. We were the ones carrying all this. Um, so we would have to learn the uh, how to how to navigate ourselves because that, like the, the the buildings they had their parts, and so it was it was kind of confusing because obviously you can imagine a construction site. It's a very it's it's li- it's a living it's a living organism almost you know mm. so things change quickly there mm. uh, when they put up the plasterboards and all that so uh, like you would come to work and you would realize that that the place you knew it's something else and so you you would you would have to learn to navigate and um, and then also later I, I became a storeman there okay um, so I even had like a radio so I was calling uh, the managers and the bosses like. And stuff like that. It was quite interesting, actually. So, what was the effect then on your English? Yeah, it was. It was obviously huge. Like when I when I came back, obviously the first thing is that my listening improved massively. Mm. Yeah. Um, whenever whenever I spoke to my boss, he he thought that I sound like like somebody from from Parliament, like a member of Parliament, because I suppose that must have been because. Like when I was learning English, I learned all these grammar constructions, and I used a lot of like complex, complex sentences, like relative clauses. So there was there was a way to say it much easier in a much an easier way. Yeah, obviously. That's but, interesting. So yeah. you, what you basically you sounded a bit formal to him. I did, yeah. Like every single time. So I, for example, I had to make some orders or something like that. He would make fun of me. Yeah. <laughs> Could you give us an yeah. example if you can? Um. I'm not sure if I remember anything yeah. in, in particular, but um, but you'd, well, you'd like you're making an order, so you're calling the guy on the radio, uh-huh. yeah, and you're saying, um, you know, how would you do? It? How would you have done it? I mean, what are you ordering? Like six steel plates or something? I don't know. Yeah, and it's like, hello, I, I would, I would like to, I, I would like to place an order for six steel plates, if you, if, mm-hmm. if, if that's possible, please, or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, and then I would. Yeah, there's definitely a way to say it so so, it, so that it's snappier and faster and quicker, and you would use uh, the, the right vocabulary like mm. base here. But I because I I wasn't um, I'm still struggling struggling as you can see, Luke. But <laughs> now you're doing great. Yeah, I was I was basically stumbling over my words, and um, uh, you can imagine like as, as any as any other English learner. Um, yeah, I didn't always know the words or. Or, you know, and then you can imagine there was totally, like yeah. sort of a bit of an anxiety as well because I didn't want to mess up because otherwise my boss might tell me off or or um, take the piss, which would, <laughs> which would happen more often than not. And, you know, you can imagine. How did you feel then? Like, you know, there must have been some days um, where you where you came home from work feeling terrible. Yeah, definitely. Like the first few days and months were really tough for me. Mm. But then th- there was there was um, there was a point where it all kind of shifted towards um, like having great time and like even being imp- like I felt like I'm really important for them. They well, at one point I said I, ha- I have to go. Like I, I always wanted to go back to study at the university. Yeah. I never wanted to end up doing manual work like that. Yeah. Uh, no offense, but I just thought because all my friends 
uh, all my schoolmates went to university, so I would feel like I would I would underperform or um, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. I wouldn't live up to my potential or whatever. Yeah. So essentially, I was I always wanted to go back, but when I told my boss, he was like, "No, we can't do that." And then he even offered me a pay rise and all that, you know. <laughs> so I became really important for them. They and I was the funny thing was that. I was supervising like native speakers, yeah. even though my English wasn't perfect, but because I knew the place really well yeah. and I knew the work, like, you know, they yeah. really needed me there. That must have been really healthy in a way for your English, but, you know, the sense that they needed you. Yeah, yeah. And, but, you're, and you're on the radio, right? So you're kind of yes, like, you know, exactly. this communications guy. Yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was it was a lot of fun, yeah, and it it boosted especially my uh, confidence. That was the most important thing. Right. Yes. And then you you returned to the Czech Republic for that reason, as you said, because you you felt like you you know you didn't want to end up being a labourer that you, yeah, you yeah, felt yeah. you had work to do back home. No, I felt like I need to go to university. I always wanted to to um, get a degree, basically. So. And so at this point you thought, well, English, I've got the it's English now, so this is going to be the thing I do. Exactly. Well, yeah, pretty much, because I knew, like, my English got so much better. Mm. Like, when I came back, like, the people around me were also so bad <laughs> suddenly. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I didn't even ha- have to go to school. It was just the fact that I worked uh, among a lot of native speakers uh, or um, non-native speakers with good English. I was quite lucky, actually. Yeah, uh, they, I had like a um, co-worker from uh, South Africa and there were some Australians. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so I, I got quite lucky. My boss, like, because I became like a form, wait, not foreman, what's the word? Like, um, <laughs> it's a terrible word, but like a dog's body. No, it's, that's, yeah, it's I good. Was, it's I good word. Like a dog's body for my boss, like his assistant pretty much. So even when he went once uh, for holiday, he went on a cruise for three weeks I became the the store man, so I, I they said you have to, you will do this, his job. So I was the store man. So I t- spoke to the biggest. They they called him the site manager, I think. Yeah. Okay. I would just speak about everyday issues, and it was like I was given a lot of responsibility, considering how young I was. Yeah. And how how, how my English wasn't perfect. That's amazing because like how, um, yeah, you were young, your English wasn't perfect, and yet you mm-hmm. you, you fairly quickly became a very important person on the site. So how, how do you reckon that happened? How did you do that? Well, I suppose I, I just, no, I suppose I'm just, I'm just a real uh, uh, responsible, reliable by nature or something like that. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It was just in me there. Yeah. And also I saw it's a bit like, I always, um, I always have this need to prove myself, you know? Yeah. Like even we will possibly get to this issue of native speakers versus non-native speakers, yeah. teachers. So it's it's always in me like to show everybody that I can do the job mm. just as well. Mm-hmm. And I guess that was the same thing. I was like, I can do this, you know. Yeah. I was always kept going, even though, of course, of course, there were hiccups and times when I felt down. I won't deny it. But, you know, eventually, yeah, I got I got to a good position there. And also I learned a lot of um, Cockney slang. <laughs> yeah. I bet yeah, you did, the, yeah. Along the way. Like, you know, the general dog's body, is, as you said. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, which is like this person who just sort of does all the uh, all the other little jobs that maybe other people don't want to do. Yeah. Right? And I guess if you do become the general dog's body, then eventually you start to learn everything about all the different work that's going on on the site. And, yeah. And at some point, you they realise that you're the only one who knows exactly what's going on everywhere. But to be honest, like some of them were had, had university education, so I I would never be able to like progress. Like you know, I could always be someone who's carrying stuff or looks after um, a list of items. Anyway, you know, yeah. because obviously I wasn't university educated. I didn't have a college. Because some of them had done degrees in site, site management and in construction. Like, yeah, because they were electricians and. You know, most of them had done college. Yeah. Yeah, I see. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you go back to the Czech Republic, mm-hmm. armed with your newfound <laughs> English skills. Uh-huh. And that's when you started sort of doing teaching without having got your qualification. Um, 
Not that much. Because you said, uh, sorry, which year I, are we, which, what's uh, the time frame which, here? Which year are we talking? 2006. I came back in 2006, oh, I believe. Okay. And, and then, yeah, I took a break like for half a year and started preparing myself for, for the entrance exams. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously you don't want to take any chances. So I applied to more universities and then I chose to go to the University of Pardubice, which is another town, but it's a larger town than Podjebrady. And this is where, where I studied English or English teaching. Yeah. Okay. And you graduated. Yeah. And yeah, it was, it was actually, it was actually quite easy for me there Yeah. because I, I had a huge advantage. I wasn't the only one who had been to England or to an, um, an English speaking country, mm-hmm. but there were about three, four of us, but we immediately had a, a huge, a huge advantage over everybody else. It was just a huge edge. Yeah, I can imagine. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you so, do you think that you are? I mean, that you. I mean, you've. Um, I, I, let's say you're an English success, right? Do you think mm-hmm. that um, um, that's specific to you? Is it? I mean, do you, are you different to other people? Uh, what do you mean? You know uh, what I mean. Like, you know, do you think that? Uh, what do you think of this idea that some people are just good at learning languages and other people I, aren't? Okay, I, I, I don't think I have got a particular talent. Actually, when you know those psychology tests, mm. I remember doing one when I was about sixteen, yeah. and it turned out that I'm not actually that good at um, linguistic. It's called like linguistic intelligence, I think. Uh-huh. And I was actually much better at. You know those tests where you have to um, give the numbers of dice. Like there's some 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 mm. numbers are missing and you have to work it out. Like yeah, and that that's that's what I was really good at. So they said I should do some civil engineering or something like that. But the, I was never really into it. I never really enjoyed it. Mm. So I don't think I was particularly talented or anything like that. It was just I just fell in love with the language really when I was in England. It was just really interesting for me and it was it was like very very natural natural way for me to learn it and it it's just i could see i could see making progress it was so so rewarding you know yeah so satisfying yeah fantastic okay everyone that's it for part one that's where we're going to stop this part but the conversation will continue in part two which i think will be available for you right now. I think I'm going to upload these two parts at roughly the same time. So you should be able to just move on to part two and continue listening to the conversation. How's it going for you? How's it going? It was an interesting conversation. Um, It's always interesting for me to ask people who have learned English to a good standard. And I think you can all agree that Zdenek's English is good, right? I mean, how how do you determine what good means well? Uh, that's a whole podcast of its own, isn't it? That's a whole podcast episode of its own. But um, certainly Zdenek's English is is effective enough for him to do all these things and indeed to, you know, pass his teaching qualifications and, and all that stuff. That's not in question. It's not in question, Luke. All right. Zdenek's level of English is not really in question here. I think you'll agree. But what's interesting for me is just to interview people who have learned English to a good standard in order to find out how they did it. Like, you know, what's the story? Everyone's got a story to tell, in my opinion. I mean, you know, in any case, like any any person in in any walk of life has got a story to tell, but certainly people who've learned English to a good level have a story of how they did it. And I think Zdenex is an English one. Imagine that, just going to England, just traveling there, and then ending up working with a bunch of cockneys in some building site. That must have been really difficult at the beginning, but also amazing. Uh, so well done, Zdenek. Hats off to you for doing that. And uh, it's obviously paid off with his English. Okay. Anyway, no more talking now, Luke. That's the end of part one. You can listen to part two now, can't you? Yes, you can. Good. All right, then I'll let you do that. And I'll just now say goodbye to you like this, like I usually do. All right. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.